Thank you for listening to this podcast hosted by the Cambridge MBA. The Australian mining sector benefited from 10 years of rising demand for minerals and other commodities. But now demand is cooling, so what are the prospects for the Australian mining companies? With me to discuss these and other issues in its Melbourne office is Ben Gilbertson, partner at Booz & Co. Ben recently co-wrote a report, Profits in a Slowdown, How Australian Mining Companies Can Cut Costs and Grow Stronger. Thank you very much for joining us, Ben. Thank you. Good to be with you. So, Ben, can you tell us a bit about the prospects for the uh, Australian mining sector? Sure. I think at a, at a macro level, the sector remains you know, attractive and profitable. But I think, you know, as you rightly point out, there are headwinds um, that will see mining companies swing, I think, you know, reasonably quickly from an output orientation to a sort of more cost orientation. Um, you know, as you recognise, you know, the mining sector's come through a well-recognised boom. You know, revenue's grown by as much as 18%, you know, year over a 10-year period, which is a pretty phenomenal sort of record. You know, this is driven by, you know, the rapid increase in demand from China that most people would be familiar with and what is an inherently slower sort of supply response where it takes some time for new mining investment to be translated into increased output. So this dynamic sort of saw rapidly increasing commodity prices that, that the miners are able to benefit from. You know, in the current slowdown, reflecting a slowdown in China as well as you know, the supply response now taking effect, you know, we're seeing lower realised prices uh, you know, with commodities such as coal you know, experiencing particularly sharp, sharp reductions. You know, we've seen suspension of capital projects, perhaps most notably BHP's Olympic Dam you know, mine uh, not, not going through the full expansion. So I think in assessing the headwinds and the path forward, I think it's important to consider the different commodities and the different players within the sector. Um, you know, for example, coal has been particularly hard hit, not just in Australia, but also in the US. And this has reflected not just the slowing demand, but you know, rapid increases in gas supply, which has sort of translated into, into declines in the, the price for coal. You know, some of the analysis that we did late 2012 into 2013 said in Australia a 20% reduction in price would mean 30% of mine capacity was uneconomic. Mm. And that's a pretty dramatic mm. you know, sort of impact that, that we we'll potentially see. By contrast, iron ore uh, you know, remains reasonably profitable, um, you know, although just less profitable than, than what it was. And Australian mines are genuinely you know, big, low-cost, long-life assets that are pretty advantaged and profitable on a, on a global basis. So what's come to light, you know, as this boom has slowed, you know, irrespective of the commodity, is, you know, the need for, for companies now to sort of start thinking through um, the cost side of the equation mm -hmm. and to really sort of start to drive some, some productivity gain. Ben, you, you, your report mentions the need for cost-cutting, but you also warn against indiscriminate cost-cutting. So uh, what's your advice for Australian mining sectors uh, for, as they do this, go through this very painful process? Yeah, look, when, when faced you know, with circumstances very similar to those that, that we currently see, you know, many people will have heard that we're cutting costs by 10% this year and it's, it becomes an across-the-board uh, sort of process. Um, or there's a hiring freeze or both of those things and then CapEx gets frozen, frozen as well. In our experience, this approach doesn't work. And it doesn't work because it fails to recognise where future success is going to come from and it focuses very much on the short term. So what, what's required is what we, we would sort of call a fit-for-growth uh, approach. And this recognises that performance needs to improve but that there also needs to be headroom created for investment in future growth. 
And this approach really starts by identifying, you know, what's unique and distinctive about the way a company plays and, you know, distinctive about how they create and capture value uh, in the market. So historically, organisations have oriented their strategy around assets, be it brands, be it mines, be it manufacturing plants, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, our works, you know, recently suggested this is not a long-term sustainable advantage anymore. Um, and companies need to you know, very quickly recognise what their unique capabilities are. In mining, that may be the ability to find and rapidly and economically develop uh, deposits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that can give someone a, you know, a huge advantage to find these economic deposits better and faster than, than anybody else. With that sort of understanding about what makes a company unique and enables them to capture, you know, uniquely capture value, you can then focus on the cost reduction sort of question um, because not all costs are created equal when you mm-hmm. apply that lens. You know, there are some costs that you need just to keep the lights on. There are some costs that are there because you have to, you know, you have to be able to dig ore out, you know, ore out of the ground to be, to be in mining. But then there are some capabilities that are truly differentiating. And you, know, you want to cut pretty hard on the first two and then those capabilities that you know, don't add any value at all, you want to cut very, very hard. But you may, in fact, want to invest in the capabilities that are differentiating for you. And so, you know, this is a slightly different approach to the sort of more traditional across-the-board, you know, sort of 10% cost cut. I think then as you start to think about where and how are we going to cut costs, having identified which costs we want to cut, you need to ask some pretty fundamental questions that can be quite confronting uh, for clients. You know, what do we do? do we, are we no longer in this particular, you know, type of ore? Uh, you know, we've seen uh, organisations, some large mining companies, make decisions to exit. You know, they'll exit diamonds, or they'll exit nickel, or they'll exit aluminium, or you know, bauxite, etc. So, some of these sort of challenges you know, start to become quite confronting. Or they might exit a particular type of mining. You know, maybe the, the capabilities that they have are not suited to underground mining, and so they'll stick to surface mining. But it drives a whole raft of portfolio decisions. Addressing these types of questions, you know, you start to attack. You know, costs in a pretty inherent sort of way, and you can take out 30 to 40 percent. You then need to ask, you know, the next layer down, having satisfied yourself around that, you know, what's our footprint strategy? Um, you know, how can we consolidate our overhead structures? You know, how do we source, etc.? And then how and how well do we, you know, do these things is the final question. Where you get into the more traditional process re-engineering that that many people associate, sort of with cost-cutting um, programs. So what this approach enables is rather than the indiscriminate across the board cut is a real focus on the capabilities that will support future growth and and value capture and a very sharp focus then on reducing costs that are not going to support that that advantage over the longer term. One of the costs that you mentioned in your report is uh, labour and labour productivity. How much of a factor is labour productivity to a mining company and uh, how does a mining company tackle labour productivity? Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt that the productivity growth, both labour and capital productivity growth, has been slow. You know, we've seen labour productivity in mining fall at an annual rate of about seven percent. You know, over a ten-year period. Um, and I think the confronting thing for the mining companies has been that the mining sector has lagged the broader Australian economy. And you know, in an industry that you know, it's not a branded consumer goods company, so it doesn't necessarily have a huge brand advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cost is a pretty important and economically and efficiently extracting ore is a pretty fundamental sort of piece of the puzzle. And so this becomes quite a confronting sort of fact. 
Now, some of this lag and then decline is explained by the investment in capacity expansion that isn't mm. instantaneously productive. So, you know, it takes you know, quite a period of time to develop you know, new mine capacity and bring that on stream. So some of that will naturally self-correct over time. But, you know, at the end of the day, this should not mask the longer-term decline in labour productivity, which we're now seeing many of the mining companies publicly recognise, um, you know, quite explicitly. I think, you know, the challenge is if you just pick it up solely as labour productivity on its own, I think you miss the opportunity for a bigger game. And that game is to make sure that it's, it's sort of situated, the labour productivity improvement is situated within the broader fit-for-growth sort of approach that says we're going to actually invest in expertise and capa- uh, in, in those core capabilities for us, important capabilities. Um, it might be R&D where we actually need to spend more money on, on labour rather than you know, mm. trying to take that out, but it's making sure that it's efficient uh, uh, and effective. Um, having said that, you know, once you start answering some of the questions that, that we outline, you know, opportunities to drive labour productivity undoubtedly emerge. You know, we've seen... Um, Organisations like Rio Tinto invest in technology quite heavily. You know, they now run remote mining, you know, from Perth. So they will mine in the Pilbara, you know, from the control centre in Perth. And, mm. you know, it's quite a, you know, changes the game in a way about how they go about, how they go about mining. Other examples would include streamlining, you know, maintenance programs, you know, changing the maintenance philosophy from one of reactive, which is we fix the equipment when it breaks down, to one of uh, more predictive that says we're going to monitor the condition of our equipment um, and act more um, proactively to actually um, stop it breaking down in the first place, which drives equipment uptime, which then drives labour productivity. So, um, you know, it's very, very difficult just to look at that just in, in sort of isolation. How does Booze help its uh, clients in the mining sector? So, you know, as with sort of clients across all of our sectors, um, you know, we, we help our clients with a broad array uh, of challenges. You know, this include setting corporate strategy, you know, which, which markets would we like to participate in, which sort of uh, mines would we like to, to participate in, um, through to identifying, executing M&A opportunities, uh, market entry strategies, through to driving operation strategy and performance improvement, a lot of which we've just sort of spoken about today or driving a new operating and, and organisation sort of model. Um, many of the problems, in fact, pretty well all the problems that we help our clients address typically include a combination of all of these. It's very hard to answer any of these questions solely in isolation. If you're addressing a cost question, you need to make sure the organisation and operating model is lined up to support that. You also need to ensure it's lined up with the strategy. If you're setting a strategy, you need to make sure that you actually have the ability to deliver on the, the cost side of that and operating you know, promise side of that equation. Um, so you know, a lot of the recent work we've been doing in mining has been starting with the portfolio question and saying, you know, as I look across you know, the suite of mines that we have, which, which stay in the portfolio and which, which don't, then through to how do we then reset the cost base and then how do we realign the organisation you know, up behind that cost base. Okay. One last question, Ben. Sure. And that is, what advice would you give to an MBA who might be considering working in the mining sector, whether for a mining company or for a consulting company? Sure. I, I think, you know, and this, this may or may not be specific to the mining sector, you know, I think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. sector to start a career. 
um, you know, post MBA. And I think you know it certainly gives you a broad set of experiences. You know, both functionally, geographically, you know, and across a whole raft of different markets. Uh, you know, you, there are sort of traditional minerals. You know, your iron ore, copper, coal, gold. You know, etc. Through to sort of some more exotic mining operations in rare earth metals, which sort of that bit of the periodic table that no one ever learnt when they did chemistry, um, but are fundamental to many of the products we use today, like magnets and, and other associated things. Um, and I think you know each of them has different market dynamics. There are different players, different market structures. And you know you need to sort of absorb and understand those intricacies, but it gives you a great suite of tools to put in your kit bag, sort of post MBA. Um, I think the other thing is is a great sort of opportunity to you know, get into the engine room of the global economy. You know, commodities are global by nature, so it's inherently a global sort of industry and sector that you're going to play in. Um, and you know, as commodity prices move up and down, they often reflect economic activity. Um, and so, you know, these are skills that are, and understanding that's transportable across mining, oil and gas, agriculture, you know, broader energy sectors. And so it's a pretty transportable set of skills that you start to build post-MBA. Thank you very much, Ben, for this very fascinating talk. And uh, I hope that some of the people who are listening to this would also start considering moving to this very fascinating sector. Great. No trouble. Thanks.